Well, good morning. I want to welcome everyone out at all of our venues here at Colonial Heights campus, at our Midlothian campus, and those that are watching us online. We're so thankful to have each of you here and being a part of our worship service this morning. Now, before we get started and move into worship, I want to take a moment. You know, we have some amazing folks who work hard to put on what we present on Sunday morning. Of course, we know our choir and orchestra. Let's give them a big hand. But then we have our sound people and our light people and our camera people and all of those folks. So give them a big hand as well. And then there's a group that's hidden up in a little room in the back there. And one of the things they do is get the slides up on the screen for us. And so I want to recognize them today, but I also want to apologize to the ones that were doing it, at least in the first hour. We give them a script of where we're going and what's going to be where in our sermon. And some of us don't always stay on script. (laughs) And I was way off of my script. I gave to them. I covered it all. I just did it in a lot of different order than what I had given them. So they did an amazing job this morning. So let's give them a hand as well. And I would say to them that I'm going to stay on script this hour, but that would probably be an empty promise. And so we're not going to do that. They'll just have to jump in like they did before. Well, let's start with something on the screen this morning. Let's pull up a picture. And I want you to look at that. And wherever you're listening, if you're here at Colonial Heights campus, if you're out at Midlothian campus, if you're listening online and you know who this is, shout it out as loud as you can. All right. Philly Fanatic. Good job here at the Heights. I'm sure we had folks do it at Midlothian. Might have been a little embarrassing if you were sitting at the coffee shop watching it on an iPad, but the Philly Fanatic. Now, he is the mascot of the Philadelphia Phillies baseball team, and by the very definition of his name, he is their number one fan. He is a fanatic about the Phillies. Well, we know people who are fanatical fans, don't we? Pretty much every one of us knows somebody who fits in that category. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are some fanatics on our church staff. For instance, if you've been around for any time at all, I'm guessing that you know that our senior pastor, Randy Hahn, is a fanatical fan for his beloved Texas A&M Aggies. Have you all heard him mention them? And then Buddy Ham, our Midlothian campus, Buddy is that forever eternal optimist. This is going to be our year Washington football team fan. And then there's Ronnie West. Ronnie West, our education pastor, or as I like to call him, the world's most obnoxious Alabama fan. But wait, wait, he found out I was talking about him today. And so between services, he brought me this to show y'all. It's a picture of him and Saban, the legendary coach of the University of Alabama football team. So, point proven. (laughs) You know, we're all fans of something. You know, it may be a team, it may be a school, it may be a place, it may be a person. But we're all fans of something. And really, the, the basic definition of a fan is this an enthusiastic admirer. 
You admire that team. You admire that person. You admire that place. So you're an enthusiastic admirer. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine to be a fan of certain things. But about 10 years ago, a a pastor in Kentucky by the name of Kyle Eidelman wrote a book simply entitled, Not a Fan. And as he shared in the book, he is talking to us as believers, and he says, it is not simply enough to be a fan of Jesus Christ. It's not simply enough for us to be nothing more than an enthusiastic admirer. You know, a fan can show up for the event, show up on a Saturday or a Sunday for the game. They show up in their gear and they go in and they yell and shout until their voices give out. And they can do all the right cheers and sing the fight song and do all of that. But when we're talking about being a child of God, when we're talking about being a believer, being a fan is not enough. You see, it's not enough just to show up on Sunday, to show up for the event, even if we are wearing our gear, and even if our gear says, Love 804, or Life is Better Connected. It's not enough just to show up and be able to shout the cheers along with everybody else, even when the cheers are amen and hallelujah. It's not enough that you and I can sing all the words to the fight songs, even when the fight songs are victory in Jesus and amazing grace. It's not enough as believers simply to be fans. I want to pull up our core values. And these are the core values that we have as a church. And I want you to focus in on the second one there. Sunday fuels the lifestyle. You see, as important as gathering in the Lord's house on Sunday is, as necessary as gathering together as believers is for each one of us, It is not the end all. That core value tells us that Sunday is designed to fuel the lifestyle as we go out into the world during the week. And what kind of lifestyle is that? It's a life shaped by the Word. It is a life built on relationships. It's a life that results in each one of us doing our part. See, God calls us to be more than just fans. You know, no matter how enthusiastic and how admiring you are, as a fan, you're not a participant. There used to be a talk radio show on, and people would call in and talk about their favorite teams. You know how they do. And you know what our tendency is when we talk about our favorite teams. We like to use the pronoun we. I mean, if you're an Alabama fan, when you're talking about Alabama football, you will say, we're going to do this, and we're looking forward to this year, and we had a great recruiting class. Doesn't matter what your team is. You can put anyone in there, but we use that we. Well, this particular radio talk show host, if I were to call in to talk about my favorite team, and I started it off with what we were going to do or what we thought, he would immediately hang up on you. And his philosophy was this, unless you're on the roster or unless you're paid to be in the front office, you're not a part of we. There is no we in that experience. You are not a participant. And when we talk about those folks who are fans for Jesus, 
rather than truly being participating Christ-following believers. We see a lot of things. You know, when you're just a fan, you don't know all the inside information. You don't know everything that's going on. You don't understand everything. And sometimes fans for Jesus, they don't understand it or, or truly grasp it. They're, they're a little bit clueless on some things. You see, a fan for Jesus m- might think that, you know, admiration is the same as devotion, and it's not. They might incorrectly assume that knowledge of Jesus is the same as intimacy with Jesus. Or they might mistakenly conclude that good intentions can offset apathetic faith. And that's just not true. When it comes to being a child of God, when it comes to being a Christian, and when we use that word, sometimes we need to heed the words of Inigo Montoya. Excuse me, got my tongue tied there. And some of you know who that's from, the Princess Bride. He's a character in that. And one of his lines that he uses is, you have said that word before. I don't think that word means what you think it means. And folks, I would say to you, there are a lot of folks around, some of them in church, who use the word Christian without ever realizing exactly what it does mean, exactly what it entails. What is a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, there are a lot of places we could go in Scripture and answer that question in various forms and from various angles. But this morning, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. If you've got your devices, click there. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse 11. Now, this passage of Scripture is a declaration about how the church is to be structured, how the church has been put together by God and the intent of what he's done. But it's also a statement to us as individuals of how we're to live, how we're to be as his followers, how we're to be as Christians. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And he himself, and that's Christ, gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So what does it look like as a Christian? When we use that word, what should it be meaning? It means someone who is equipped, someone who is growing, someone who is being built up, someone who is doing the work of the ministry. But I have to agree with Jim Putman. 
who wrote a book entitled Real Life Discipleship. And he says, most believers are not equipped to do more than attend church. Most believers are not equipped to do more than attend church. Now, whose fault is that? Well, I would be the first to say it is partly the fault of the church, the organized church. But more than that, it is the fault of the individual Christian who is not seeking to grow, who's not seeking to be built up. They're just happy showing up for the big event. And so most of us are not equipped to do anything more than what we're doing right here, right now. And we said the definition of a fan is an enthusiastic admirer. What's the definition of a disciple? Because that's what God's called us to be, to be his disciples. I like this definition again from Putnam. A disciple is one who follows Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Follows Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. See, he's one who's growing, one who's being built up, one who is maturing in his faith. Now, I'm going to pull heavily from Putman's book on real-life discipleship as we talk through the next stages of this message. And I like it because of some of his wording, but he pulls it straight out of Scripture. So it's not his thoughts, it's God's Word that he's sharing. But he shares that as disciples, as Christians, as Christ followers, there are five stages of a disciple's growth. And he says stage one is this, spiritually dead. Now that sounds like a strange place to begin a topic of growth, doesn't it? But the truth of the matter is, Scripture tells us that it's all about the the byword, the key word, unbelief. And that means that every one of us today, every one of us hearing this message, wherever you are, has either been in that state or are still in that state. The Bible says we were all dead in our trespasses and our sins. We've all been dead. We've all been separated from God because of sin and the consequences of sin. And he said, so some of you are still in that stage of being spiritually dead. And that's a wide-ranging stage. I mean, it can go all the way from the most antagonistic, uninterested atheist that you can imagine, all the way to the other side who's, to somebody whose heart is just tender and ripe and wants to know about Jesus, but yet hasn't taken that step of belief. And so there's some of you in here today and some of you listening online and some of you listening at Midlothian who are in stage one. You are still spiritually dead because you've never responded to the gift God has for you. The gift of his son. The gift of Jesus who came to earth, lived a perfect life, paid the price for your sin, died on the cross that you might be made alive. 
So some of you are in stage one. Some of you are in stage two. And stage two is spiritual infancy. And the byword for that is ignorance. Now, don't get offended by that. It just simply means you don't know yet. When that baby comes into this world, they don't know. But the interesting, the amazing thing about them is, boy, they're soaking it up, aren't they? Imagine if we could learn as much through each year of our lives as we learned that first year. It'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? I'm falling way short of that. I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you. But spiritual infancy, we're, we're ignorant, but we're learning, we're, we're searching, but we're also messy. They're messy in that first year, that first few years. And we're messy when we're in that spiritual infancy. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort by those around us, those who care about us, those who are taking care of us. And so there's some of you now who, who are new Christians. There's nothing wrong with that. Just as there's nothing wrong with it, you started out as a baby physically, you start out as a baby spiritually. It just makes sense, and you grow from that point. And so some of you are in stage one, the unbelief stage. Some of you are in stage two, the, the ignorance stage. Some of you in here, in fact, I would say probably a lot of people in here are in stage three. And that's spiritual children. You move from an infant to a child. But now the byword in that is self-centered. Because I don't know how many of you remember what it was like when you were a child or when your children were younger. They're a little self-centered. The whole world revolves around them. Every decision ought to be whatever makes them happy. Every decision ought to be whatever is going to bless them the most. And spiritually, we can be that way too. You know, that's a person who, who's upset. I, I didn't like the music today. It didn't suit me. You know, the air conditioning wasn't working right at church today. I just couldn't worship. The preacher was too loud. The preacher was too soft. You see, we get into that mode of it all revolves around me. And again, if that offends you, I'm not sorry. If that offends you, that's just a f fact of life. And we've all been there. I've been a spiritual child. Everybody in this building who is it, you know, one of these stages on above this have passed through this stage in which we were self-centered. But we need to keep growing. We need to keep moving. And we move on to stage four, and that's spiritual young adult. Now, not spiritually, but physically. How many young adults do we have in here this morning? How many would classify yourself as young adult? I'm afraid I'll put your hand down. You're not a young adult. Yeah. Most of us like that young adult stage. Yeah, we moved out of childhood. We, we're now doing, and we're in that young adult stage. And that's an amazing stage in the life of the church and an amazing stage in the life of the believer. Because when you move into that young adult stage, what you're moving into is you're moving out of that self-centeredness, out of that selfish, selfishness, and you're moving now to see others. You're moving now to the point of seeing the need in others. You're moving to the point of our byword service. 
And so now you're, you're beginning to serve other people and, and serve the kingdom as you're doing all of this. And it's an amazing place to be. And to be honest, sometimes those of us who are older, we kind of like, maybe I like staying in that age. They call me young adult. But that's not where God intends for us to stop. There's another stage, stage five. And that's spiritual parent. And the byword in that is reproduction. See, there's a reason to choose the word parent here, spiritual parent, instead of just moving from young adult to adult. Because most adults can reproduce. Not all adults do it. Parents have reproduced. And God intends for us in our spiritual growth in our spiritual journey to reproduce. That's the way the church works. That's the way the church functions. That's the way the church carries on with what they're doing. And so we get into that fifth stage of reproducing, of reaching out and bringing others into the faith, of helping them to grow, of being a disciple maker in what we're doing. And so as we move through all of these stages, each one kind of builds upon the other as we're coming up through them. I want to show you a picture. Now, okay, let's just do it all together. One, two, three. Oh, y'all are much better than the first group. I had to make them do it again. Because this is a picture of me. Oh, now, and I've shown y'all some pictures of me in my childhood in the past. And if you remember, I commented on the fact that as I look back on all of those pictures, I'm beginning to wonder if my parents ever let me in the house. <laughs> I have never seen a picture of me as a child when I wasn't outside. There are pictures of me sitting on a chair, a big plush chair outside. Here I am in a tub outside. We had indoor plumbing. I remember it. We had a bathtub inside. I don't know why I'm outside. But either way, he's cute, isn't he? He's a cute little fellow. But what if my current snapshot looked just like that? In other words, what if currently they took a picture for my driver's license photo, it looked like that? Or if they took a picture for my passport and it looked like that. You know, I can see the policeman pulling me over, looking at my driver's license and go, okay, so it says you're 69, 69 years old. Right away, you know something's wrong. Here's somebody who didn't grow. You're supposed to grow. You're supposed to grow physically. You're supposed to grow spiritually. What would your spiritual snapshot look like today? Would it be an infant? Well, if you're a new believer, that's fine. But if you've been a Christian for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and your picture is a spiritual infant, there's something wrong. If it's a spiritual child and you've been a Christian for 30 years, there's something wrong. You know, if you go to fill out a job application, one of the things they pretty much always ask you to do is to indicate or check your highest level of education. That's not too tough for us, is it? We know whether we graduated high school or 
graduated college or got a master's. We, we can check that pretty readily. But what if they were to ask you on that application, what is your spiritual level? One, would you know exactly where to check? And two, would you be embarrassed by what you had to check? You know, we looked at our core values earlier. Let's look at our measures. This is part of what we do and believe as a church. We set up these measures so that you and I individually could look at our lives and see how we're progressing. We can see how we're growing, how we're worshiping, how we're investing, connecting, serving, reaching, all of those things. It's a tool to evaluate ourselves and to know what our spiritual level is. And it's, it's something that can be used over and over again. It's not a one-time thing. It's a constant check on myself. So how are we growing? And when we think about it in terms of these stages, what do I need to do at each of these stages? In other words, if I'm somebody who today is hearing this message and I'm in stage one, I'm spiritually dead. Well, I'm going to tell you this. My thought is that you are probably on this end of the spectrum. You're not the person who's out here and you're an atheist or an agnostic or you don't want anything to do with this. You're somebody over here who's at least thinking about it, who's looking for it, who's curious about this thing of Jesus. Maybe you've seen a difference in somebody else's life and it's brought out that curiosity in you. Maybe you know that you know all the things of this world that you tried, like we sang about earlier, they just don't work. They fail you. But you're looking for that something. Well, again, the byword in that is unbelief. So what do you need to do? You need to move to belief. You need to understand what God has done for you, that God sent his son, his only son, Jesus, to die so that you wouldn't have to. He sent your son so that you could be forgiven and be in a right relationship with him. And it's a gift he offers to you. And if you've never done it, today is the day to embrace that gift. Today is the day to receive what Christ has done for you. And if you're in stage two, you're you're that spiritual infant. You're you're a new believer, or maybe, sadly, you're a long-time believer, but you haven't moved out of that stage. What do you need to do? Well, remember, the byword is ignorance. It's what you don't know. And you need to move beyond that. I was talking with a gentleman who, was, who just got a new job, and I was asking him last week. I said, well, how's the new job going? And his comment was this. He said, I'm at the point where I don't know what I don't know. That's where we are when we're in spiritual infancy. We don't know what we don't know. But we have a way to learn. The Bible says that as spiritual infants, we are to feed upon the milk of the word. We're to study his word. We're to learn on his word. We're to read his word. We're to ask questions about his word. And in that process of drawing his word into our lives, we begin to get the nourishment and we begin to get the growth and we begin to get the understanding and we begin to move out of that stage of ignorance or not knowing what we don't know. What if you're in stage three? Spiritual child. Again, by words, self-centered. Ask God's help to stop focusing so much on you and what it means to you and start focusing on others. 
and kind of paraphrasing JFK, that's not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. Ask what you can do for others. And what about if we're spiritual young adults, stage four? Well, that's awesome. Y'all, y'all are doing some amazing things in stage four of serving and reaching out and being the church out in the world. But that's not where he intends for you to stop. He intends for you to move on then to becoming a spiritual parent. In other words, find somebody that you can plant yourself in, somebody that you can share about Christ, lead them to the Lord, or somebody who's a new Christian, one of those spiritual infants, and you can begin to help them grow and move towards maturity. Be a reproducing Christian. John Maxwell has a five-stage equipping process for leaders and for disciples. And he says it this way. He says, stage one, step one, is I do. In other words, I do it. Stage two is I do it and you're there. In other words, I'm doing it, but you're alongside me. You're seeing what I'm doing. You're, you're lending a hand from time to time. And do it. You're beginning to learn how to do it. Then he says, step three is you do and I'm there. See, now it's kind of switched. Now that other person is doing the work. They're doing the task. They're, they're carrying it out. And you're just there for support. You're just there for help. You're just there when they have a question. And then step four is you do. So we've gone from I do to I do and you're there to you do and I'm there and now to you do and you're doing it. You're doing the work. But as Maxwell says, the problem is too many people stop right there because that's not the end of the process. Step five is this, you do and somebody's watching you. That's where God wants us to work. That's the reproducing process that takes place. Putman in his book acknowledges that at every one of these stages that we're at, we are of great value to God. God values us if we're in stage five of being a spiritual parent. He values stage three if we're a spiritual child. He values us when we're in stage one of being spiritually dead. Everyone has of great value to God, but not everyone is at the same usefulness to God. It's as we move through those stages of growth, moving towards becoming a serving young adult, moving towards becoming a reproducing spiritual parent. So we move along. Each step along the way, we become more useful to God. He's more able to use us for his honor and glory and praise. Who doesn't want to be useful? We want to be useful in our home. We want to be useful at work. We want to be useful in the kingdom of God. Are you moving along in your usefulness? How do we know we're growing in the faith? How do we know we're growing as believers? How do we know we're growing as Christians? Truthfully, the bottom line is this, very simple. Are you becoming more like Jesus?
Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we come, Lord, acknowledging that we do not want to be just fans. We don't want to be those that are just enthusiastic and those that are just admiring, Lord. We want to be those that are useful to you and to your kingdom. We want to grow, Lord, as you intended for us to grow. We want to move from death to life. We want to move from infancy into adulthood, Lord. So, Father, speak to our hearts. Show us where we are. Show us what level we check on that spiritual growth. And then, Lord, show us what we need to do next. Lord, we thank you that we are always of value to you. But Lord, help us not to be satisfied with that. Let us also be useful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.